Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. As we've lifted our joyful hymns, as we've softened our hearts and prayed and, and even seen the grace of God present in baptism, it's time to open the word of God together. Would you turn in the, in the word of the Lord to Colossians chapter 3 this morning as we read Colossians 3 verses 15 to 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord God, that you would send your Holy Spirit to us, that we can receive your word, properly understand and apply your word to our lives, that it would bring us wisdom and life, and grace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is my actual birthday. Thank you very much. (laughs) As if I did anything at all. It is my actual birthday. 44 years ago, I, in Würzburg, Germany, entered the McConnell family, and gave that family its true meaning and purpose. (laughs) Which was, of course, me. Because I'm pretty sure that I'm the center of the universe. And, And so it was a very kind thing for me to enter the family and to let them know that I was the middle of everything and and I was the center of of life and and purpose and and everything about the world, all of that. Wasn't that kind of me? At least that's what I thought. Isn't that what every infant thinks? And I started to let them know that as soon as I had vocal cords that could carry the day. Well, that's what every baby thinks. That's what, don't you think? That's, what, that's what's, if there's anything in their head at all, that must be what's in there, is that I must be the middle of the universe. What else is there but me? And here I am. And here I am. The trouble is when the parents buy it. 
We're in the middle of, a, of our series. In fact, we're halfway through our series, First Things First, learning about the power of priority and how to put God first in every aspect of our lives. Under this organizing verse, Matthew 6, 33, the key verse for this whole series. In fact, let's say it together again this morning. Would you just read this with me? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33, seek first. With him in first place, with Jesus in first place, all else falls into place. So God is first in our lives. God is first in our calendars, first appointment of the day, first commitment of the week. God is first at work in our careers and vocations, how we use our time and our energies. Last week, we put God first in our minds and our beliefs as the word of God is our first authority. This week, we wanna talk about our family lives. Jesus first, keeping God first at home, keeping Jesus first in our families. With Jesus first at home, with Jesus at the top, everything else falls into place. Now, this is the typical American story, isn't it? A young couple falls in love, they get their first jobs in the cities, and, and they, they begin to make, make a, a home together. And then eventually, uh, you know, hopefully many of them get married. I know. If not as Christians, if not as Christians wanting to make vows before God in a, in a, in a Christian way, then many people get married just as a way of saying, I, I think I understand it now. I get it now. It's not all about me. It's about us. And so I want to demonstrate that I've figured this out. And just as soon as they've figured this out, this relationship starts to beat that into their head. It's not about me. It's about us. I can give myself away to this relationship. Along comes a little bundle of joy. But this screaming little bundle of fulfillment isn't playing by the rules. He acts like he is the center of the universe. And the couple thinks, maybe he is. You know, isn't responsibility and maturity about caring for our children, and before you know it, every decision that they're making in their lives revolves around one question and one question only. What's good for the little one? What do you need? Oh, little boo-boo buttons. <laughs> Whatever you need, little boo-boo buttons, you know daddy's gonna get it for you. And before you know it, every decision they're making, they, they move out to the suburbs, they change careers, change homes, every decision they're making only answers one question. What does the little treasure need? But the little treasure wasn't meant to carry such weight. The little treasure doesn't have the mass of the sun. The little treasure can't hold the gravity of the universe, not even the gravity of the center of a family. And so after a while, the parents are left asking one another, scratching their heads, why, why is my child seeming to suffer even more 
and more. The more we do to provide whatever they need. You see, little boo-boo buttons wasn't supposed to be at the center of the family. You weren't supposed to be the center of the family. The career wasn't meant to be the center of the family. The money wasn't meant to be the center of the family. Do you remember the illustration of the mobile, a mobile hanging down from the center, all the pieces in place? The family who grabs at anything other than Jesus and tries to make everything hang properly, the family who puts anything but Jesus at the center will never find balance. And we'll never know peace. Try to put the counterbalances here or there. Add weight to this side or that side. Or push or pull or bring in experts to untangle this part or that. But without Jesus at the center. Without Jesus at the center, there isn't enough expertise in the whole world to bring balance to the system. The whole system suffers when Jesus is out of place. There's a verse in Joshua 24, we sang it earlier in the service from the end of Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Chip and Joanna Gaines have that in their farmhouse. I can tell you don't know who they are. Good enough for them. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That doesn't mean that we're going to disregard the needs of our children or neglect their emotions or their development or their future or anything else. But it does mean that, that, that little boo-boo buttons isn't the center, isn't the organizing principle of my family. Nothing else is but Jesus. Jesus first. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When something is broken, we say it is out of order. And we hang a sign. Out of order. If out of order means broken, under Jesus means whole. We want to build Jesus first households. Jesus first, even in our families. So let's look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Most of the letters of the New Testament have sections in them that we call household codes, table manners for running a Christian home. And new believers in Jesus, we need this help. We've been arranging our homes according to all the patterns that we've learned in the world or that we were raised in from our families of origin. And we need to know, what are we supposed to do? If, if you're saying that Jesus has a different order, Jesus has different standards for my home, well, what, how do they fit? How do they work? Husbands, wives, you know, kids, pets. How does it all fit together? What are we supposed to do? How is it supposed to work? Now these sections, I want to make a note. If you read on, your Bible's open. You'll see that most of these household code sections, they include something about slaves too. And what I want you to know and be wise about, as a side note, is I want you to know that this is not the chattel 
property slavery of early U.S. history or other times in history where people were separated according to race and on the basis of race, some people were sold, bought and sold as though they were, uh, as though they were beasts of burden. That's not this type of, of slavery. In, in the Christian, in the biblical time period, slavery was often more of an indentured servitude that sometimes served as a social safety net and an actual helpful thing uh, at, at the time. I want you to know that. Do you understand? But what we see first and foremost in the household codes is that above all, above all, The home is meant to be ruled and governed by one principle above all else, the rule of Jesus. Let Jesus come first at home. And so we get some detailed instructions, some particulars. Let's begin at verse 18. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I always like to just stop right there. (laughs) Don't you? Boy, the time is is running. That might be all the time we have this morning. (laughs) Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting. And listen, there's a lot to understand, a lot to work out about this verse and others like it. A lot to think about. What does it mean that Paul addresses women at all in this time in history? What does it mean that Paul uh, addresses the wives first as he enters this topic? What does it mean that this whole section of household colds, you, you must understand, is not a limitation of rights. It's an expression of mutual duties. What does it mean? What does it mean that Paul always addresses the underpowered person first and then the powered and the privileged person second as he orders a Christian household. You need to take this verse home and wrestle with it. There is a lot to think about in this verse. But I want to say two things very quickly. One is, this is not a verse to be ignored or dismissed. This is the word of God speaking into our lives. This is the word of God shaping our relationships, particularly those of us living out these relationships of husband and wife. And two, two, it clearly does not mean in the balance and wise counsel of Scripture that women are set aside or to set aside their gifts to deny who God has made them and called them to be or to be ruled and dominated by their husbands. The verb is, the verb here is amen. The the. The, the verb here is to s- submit yourself, not be cowed by some outside power. Submit yourself. So as you wrestle with this verse, you have to ask, what does it mean? What does it mean to voluntarily, under the lordship of Jesus in a Jesus-first household, what does it mean to voluntarily submit yourself? Might be a different pattern than what you've picked up from the world. Then it goes on. It doesn't end there. The next verse is for husbands. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. These verses are are connected. 
The one uh, presupposes the second, you see. They sit together. No harsh domination here. No devaluing of the woman here. Husbands, love your wives. There are different types of love. There's love that consumes and there's love that builds up. You might say, oh, I, I love, I love the uh, a Pueblo chili cheeseburger, something like that. Oh, I love it. And I just, when I love something, I just consume it. I eat it all up. That's not love that we're talking about here. This is the word agape in the Greek. This is agape love. This is selfless, self-sacrificial love that builds in to the object of love, that pours in to the object of love. In another similar scripture in, uh, in the Bible, in Ephesians 5, verse 25, we read, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love like Jesus loved. Love like Jesus who gave himself up, who spent his life. Jesus who poured out, literally poured out his life, his life blood, poured it out on the ground to make the object of his love whole. Love like that, love like Jesus, that might make for a different household than most on the block. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't exasperate your children to where they lose all all fervor, all flavor, all enthusiasm for life. Again, in ancient Christian household codes, other than the New Testament, children weren't even addressed. They they weren't an afterthought. They were a never thought. They didn't even think of of children in the home. But in a Jesus-first house, the children have a place. See, it just isn't first place. First place belongs to Jesus. You get the point. So as you read these particulars, it starts to paint a picture for you. If you're beginning to see what a Jesus-first home looks like, then you're starting to think, that sounds different from from my family of origin. That sounds different from the sort of families that I meet in the world in which I live. That sounds different. What is Jesus asking of me? If that's the what, then then what's the how? How do I I begin to build a Jesus-first household? How do I put Jesus first at home? How do I apply it to my family situation, whatever my family situation is? And families are, are made up in all kinds of different, different ways and, and we have to bring Jesus first into that household, into the reality of it. Well, the scripture gives us three ideas here, three points. Go back to the verses that set the whole thing up, verses 15 to 17, and let's look at them together. First, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be, what? Thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule. Now the word for rule here is a little bit unique. It's a word for an umpire or a referee. How many think you could use a referee in your household? 
<laughs> Can you imagine that? Someone kind of sitting in the corner of the kitchen with a white, the black and white stripes on. Just every now and then the whistle goes <laughs> Personal foul. <laughs> Unnecessary roughness. You know? Un-Jesus-like conduct. Or personal foul, my favorite, roughing the pastor. <laughs> that might help. We could use that. Let the peace of Christ be the referee. Let the peace of Christ be present, rendering the objective ruling. Let the peace of Christ rule in your home. The peace of Christ makes the outside judgment. You see, family can get a little bit competitive. In fact, sometimes it can feel like a contest or maybe even a conflict. Let the peace of Christ rule. You don't always have to win. You don't always have to get your way. There's something else. There's the peace of Christ. And he can come in and render his objective ruling on the field. And that changes the game. And be thankful. You see, those are connected. When the peace of Christ rules, you'll be thankful. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Okay, that's the word of God. The message here is the same word that we would use to say the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. Last week we talked about the word of God. What a joy it is to have the Word of God as our first authority. The Word of God is inspired. It's God-breathed. It's a gift. It's life-giving. It's, it's clear like light. It illumines our path. The Word of God is a great gift. It's the Word of God dwelling in your home. The Word of God is able to make us wise for salvation, 2 Timothy 3 says, to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Wise. Wisdom. Wisdom is when you're able to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. That's shorthand for wisdom. The word of God can make you wise and a Jesus first household is saturated with the word of God to make us wise for salvation. Anything you bring into the home, you make room for. When you, you bring home a child, you make a nursery. The kids get their own rooms. Even when you bring a dog into the home, the dog gets a place to sleep, right? Well, where, where is the room for the Word of God to dwell among you? Where is the place for the word of God in your family? Have you set aside room for the word of God to dwell among you, not as an afterthought, but to dwell among you richly as you teach one another, as you grant one another wisdom, as you encourage one another, as you, as you pray to God with gratitude, as you sing songs? Where's the word of God in your home? Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of God dwell among you. Verse 17. Verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all. What? Say it with me. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In a Jesus first family. One way to make a Jesus first household is to say, listen, everything we do, everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus. Jesus has bought us, he's purchased us, we belong to him, we're his children. We're not only our household, we're part of the household of God. We're in his name and everything that we do now, we're going to do in the name of Jesus, under the name of Jesus. When that's going to change the way you do everything in your life. It's gonna change the way that you go to the soccer game. It's gonna change the way that you make vacation plans. It's gonna change the way you go to the store, the way you talk to one another and say hard and, and meaningful things to one another, the way you forgive give one another, the way, you, the way you share the things you own or care for the stuff you have or, or have the hard conversations, the way you go to weddings and, and funerals and, and recognize important moments, everything, every single thing, we do it in the name of Jesus, under the name and the, the reputation and the witness and the power of the name. Of Jesus. The peace of Christ rules, the word of Christ dwells among you, the name of Jesus is your motivation for every single thing. That's a Jesus first home. Some years ago I had a, a couple come into my office and their, their marriage was really struggling and they were about to throw in the towel and by God's grace things came back together and the marriage was saved. They're still married to this day. But they were really at, a, at, a, at an end. They were really stretched. And the wife said to me at one point, Tim, I thought I had it all figured out. See, we got married, we were in love, and we started a home, and everything was great. But then it got rough. And I thought I had it figured it out. I figured out I need to put him first. And so I did. And then the kids came along. And I figured, well, with kids, they need to be put first. So I figured I needed to put them first, and I did. And we both did. But it never felt like there was enough love to go around. And we were stretched to the breaking point. She said, I finally understood what you've been saying, that Jesus has to be first. And we started to put Jesus first. And what happened when Jesus became first in our household is that love started to multiply. I loved my husband better than I did before. And we loved our kids better than we did before because Jesus was in the first place. And loving him meant that love could surround our home and multiply. That still brings tears to my eyes. That's a Jesus first home. With Jesus in first place, all things fall into place. Out of order means broken, but under Jesus means whole, restored. There are so many things that throw our families off balance. So many, a lot of wind can blow and twist that mobile all around. You know, less than half of, of American families are in that kind of leave-it-to-beaver family model now. 
that's kind of the classic model. Most of us are dealing with families making the best of it after things went off course, after the marriage didn't last, the illness changed everything, the tragic death, it shifted all the foundations. The, the, our homes take on all these kinds of forms and each one is different. Here's one thing I can tell you. No matter where you are with your family, you might be single living on your own apart from all your relatives. Or you might be in the middle of a, of a home that's a blended family full of stepsisters and half-brothers and, uh, and uh, foster kids and four dogs and eight cats and 16 chickens and some bunnies and everything else. Whatever your home life, something sits in first place. Something sits at the very top. Let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, our homes, our families, there's so much of our hearts, Lord, wrapped up in all of these experiences. And we're grateful. And we give thanks. And we pray, Lord, for your peace to rule in our homes and families like a referee. We pray, Lord, for your word to dwell among us richly and grant us wisdom for salvation. We pray, Lord, for your name to claim all of us and all that we do. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to have you in first place in our homes and in our relationships with one another so that all things can follow in behind you. Lord, reign and rule in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.